Uniting the races with truth instead of dividing them with lies. We're also rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. I'm Jesse Lee Peterson. Welcome to the second hour of the show already. You can get involved by calling 888-7753-773. 888-77-JESSE. J-E-S-S-E. Jesse, my biblical question for this this week. My biblical question this week. Are you afraid you're not going to make it? Are you afraid you're not going to make it? We have every way that you can watch and support the show listed on com slash show. com slash show. And if you're out and about working out, you're trying to destroy the Western culture and replace it with multiculturalism. If you are taking fentanyl right now, Whatever you might be doing, working, making breakfast, lunch, and dinner, on an airplane, fighting with the blacks, you could be listening to the show by calling the listen line at 641-793-1500, 641-793-1500. And you can also podcast the show. We are heard around the world. By everybody and their mama. And if you're black, everybody and their mama. If you're white, everybody and their mama. Amazing. Follow us on social media, like, follow, ring the bell, and blah, blah, blah. We're on cozy.tv slash JLP and rumble. You got to know how to rumble.com slash Jesse Lee Peterson. And... To donate and have your comments read out loud, go to buymeacoffee.com slash JLP Talk or rebuildingtheman.com. So it is Thursday. It's the second hour of the show today already. Every Thursday is Bible Bumper Thursday. Okay, are y'all ready for a little church today? <laughs> My next guest is a five-year-old preacher who went viral when his mom captured him baptizing his toy in the bathtub. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him 
send that picture and do send that there. But have everlasting <laughs> Oh, man. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Amazing. So listen, callers, I have a guest right now that I'll be with you. Just hang on there. I uh, I have with me Nate Pickowitz. He is a writer and pastor at Harvest Bible Church in New Hampshire and a graduate a graduate of Muhlenberg College in Massachusetts and Trinity Theological Seminary. Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me with you. I appreciate you coming on. So uh, you have a lot of degrees. Were you called by God or did you have to go to school to be a preacher? Well, I think it's both. I think, uh, you know, God qualifies the call and he calls the qualified. So I think you have to discern that call and then you have to pursue it and work hard. Um, so I I was raised up and uh, called and ordained in my local church and uh, and they saw something in me. I had a desire and uh, and then I just began to study. I mean, once the word gets a hold of you, you just can't stop. So uh, I believe uh, that's why the Lord used that process. Absolutely. So you were called by your church? Yeah, so I was serving in, in ministry. I was leading men. Actually, I cut my teeth on men's ministry. That was my first love, was discipling men, helping them to lead their families, uh, lead their wives, grow in their knowledge of Christ, understand the Word of God. So I started there that way, and then as I began to grow, I was in the financial services industry. I wasn't even thinking about preaching. And, uh, and through that process, the, the eldership of the church recognized that I had certain gifts and abilities, and they just helped me to foster those. It took a couple of years, but um, after discerning that, we eventually launched out in 2013 and planted a church uh, right in my hometown. So, yeah, I mean, it was a long process, but I, I hope and I pray that I'm on the right path. I love what I do, and uh, by God's grace, I'll continue to do it. Had you been called by God and not the church, would you have had to go to uh, preacher school, Trinity Theological? Would you, have been, would you have had to go to school, or would you have trusted that God will guide you, teach you, and lead you in a way to go? If you had not been called by the church, but called by God, do you think that you would have been more prepared spiritually had you not been called by the church? I, I think I know your question. I don't think the two are, are separated. I think, you know, God calls a preacher. There's no doubt about that. Like, if he doesn't call you, you have no business being in the ministry. So I agree with you 100% right there. Like, God has to do it. God put a desire in me. Uh, he gave other people wisdom to help me discern. I, I think the reason I'm pushing back a, a tad is only because I think there's a lot of guys who think they're called by God. No one else recognizes that they have any ability or business being behind the pulpit or even if they're disqualified by Scripture. Um, so I think you have to be careful when you discern a call. But, I mean, lots of preachers throughout the course of history did not go to seminary. I mean, seminary doesn't qualify you to be a preacher. God does that. Um, but I think he uses the local church to, to evaluate men. 
before they're called to ministry. So I do believe it's both and, but I would agree with you that God has to be the one to call you. I would agree there. How And then and so many things I want to ask you about. Ask, but how would a preach? how would a, 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 a man at a preacher school to, uh, know what God will have you to say and do minute by minute? How can they teach you that in advance when they don't know what God will have you to do how can they teach you that in a school? Yeah, I mean, so that all they can do, a seminary or a Bible college, a school, you know, they can, uh, they can help you to learn doctrine. They can teach you the principles of interpreting Scripture. They can give you wisdom on pastoral ministry. Uh, but in the end, you know, it is up to the individual Christian. It's up to me as a pastor to study the Word, uh, to pray through the Scriptures, to discern God's will through that. But but my authority, my ability is tied to God's revelation. It's tied to God's word. So I have to make sure that I'm in a good place with the Lord. Ultimately, uh, a school can't qualify you, um, but uh, but I think they can be helpful to you. So my, my education, for as small as it is, doesn't qualify me. Um, but walking with God and discerning his will, that's how I think you know. According to your website, your mission at Harvest Bible Church is to reach the lost, strengthen the weak, and encourage the faithful unto godlessness through ministering with the gospel, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and considering the Spirit-giving gifts of each individual to the glory of God. What does all that mean? Yeah, so if you if you break it down, that's a it's a very long statement. But if you break it down, uh, we're called really to do three things. Uh, we're called to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, there is a gospel, a good news message. I heard the the young gentleman in our video a few minutes ago repeat John three sixteen. I mean, we have to reach people with the gospel of Christ. They have to know that they are lost. They need to be found, and only Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So. We have to reach the lost. There are also those up in, I'm up in New England. It's a spiritually dark place. There's a lot of people who are hanging on by a thread, who are away from the Lord, who are not walking in faithfulness. So we have to come alongside them if they know Christ and encourage them and lead them and grow them. And then for those who are faithful, we have to encourage them and, and shepherd them as well. But all of that is under the umbrella of the glory of God, that we do this because God is glorified when we do ministry this way. But ultimately, it is about pointing people to Jesus Christ. Um, that's the reason I exist, Jesse. I exist to point people to Jesus Christ. Amazing. Um, there's a lot of talk about uh, Jesus being God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God or God? Well, the Son of God is a title that's used in Scripture, but it's always referred to as a title of deity when referring to the Messiah. So, I mean, that's John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then four verses, you know, ten verses later, it says the Word is Jesus Christ. He became flesh and dwelt among us. So, uh, Jesus is God in human flesh. He's the second person of the Trinity, uh, and He is worthy of all worship and praise. Uh, he is God incarnate. So, I believe that. The scriptures are very clear about that. That's 2,000 years of Christian orthodoxy, and that's the Christ that I preach, and I believe that's correct. Why didn't Jesus say of himself, 
that he was God. Why did he say, I have to go and pray to my father? My father sent me. It's not me that's doing the work, but it's my father in me. And when he was about to be taken captive by the soldiers, he went and prayed, and he said, this is rough, in essence, this is rough, but let thy will be done, not my will. And when he asked his father to forgive the folks, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Um, when the people tried to worship him and make him into a deity or a God, he said, no, don't do that. I am not God. I'm the son of God. Why didn't? And then he said, greater work shall you do than I'm doing. Are we able to do greater works than God? No, no, no. Then why didn't Jesus ever say he was God? He always implied that he had a father, and his father was with him, in him, making, causing him to do what he was doing. Why did he ever say that he was God? Yeah, so uh, just to be fair, I think, you know, this is a different conversation than I thought we were going to be having today, but that's okay. I'm happy to do it. Um, over and over again in the Bible, uh, when in the Gospels, Jesus refers to the Father, we understand as far back as early church history that there is adoption of the Trinity. The Bible bears witness to the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that even in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Father, we see the Spirit. John 1, we see the, the Son co-equal with God. Um, that goes back as far as all of church history and Scripture itself. But even in the Gospel accounts, um, Jesus always defers to the Father because when He comes in His humanity, uh, he is submissive to the will of the Father, pointing us also to the submissiveness to the will of the Father. But Jesus never claimed not to be God. Uh, he, never over claimed, and over, he never claimed that he was God either. And nowhere in the Bible does it claim that Jesus is God. I know other people call him and gave him different names. They said different things about him. But nowhere in the Bible that Jesus say, I am God. In John chapter 8... When Jesus is ministering, and he says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. I'm in John eight fifty four, And then he, they, they rebuke him, and they say, you're not even 50 years old yet, and you're saying that Abraham longed to see your day. And Jesus says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, before Abraham was born, I am. He invokes the name of God the Tetragrammaton from uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He invokes the name of God for himself, and they try to stone him for blasphemy over and over again. Well, John chapter 5. That, they, they said that about him. He didn't say that about himself. They called him. He says, him I am. He, he right, calls but he himself never said that he was God. He was just before Abraham, of course, but he didn't say he was God. But I want, because of time here, uh, I want to talk to you about when you say, what do you mean when you say uh, the deity of Christ? What does that mean? That Jesus Christ is God. Deity is God. He, he is of the same substance as God the Father. That goes back to the Nicene Creed, the, the uh, Athanasian Creed, the Council of Nicaea. Um, that's the language we use, but deity is godness, you know, that he is of the same essence or the same substance as God the Father. What do you think about the fact that the Bible doesn't say that, but the, this is why God said, let no man teach you, right? Um, 
Jesse, did you bring me on to discredit me as a teacher? No, I'm, I'm, it's Bible Thought okay. Thursday. We want to get out of Okay. Do you feel discredit? No, I don't. I'm just, this is a different conversation than I thought we were going to be having. We're, I thought we were going to be talking about the kindness of God today. Uh, we are. That's okay. what we're talking about. Okay. Do Thanks, you, forgive me for misunderstanding. All thoughts are all lies all the time about anything. Did you know that? I, I didn't. I'm not fam- as familiar with the format of your show, so that's my mistake. <laughs> um, do you have anger? Do I have anger? Yes. Like personally right now? Not right. Do you have anger? Uh, I'm a sinful person. I have sin in my life, and there are times when I get angry sinfully. And then when I do, I must repent and be forgiven for my sins. And but I'm not, an, I'm not an angry person. I don't think anybody would call me an angry person. Can, by you being a preacher, I'm trying to, we have a lot of Christians who listen to my show. Sure. And, and a lot of them have anger, but uh, ah, okay. I, I want them to understand. So can you have anger and, and love? Anger and love. Well, I think it depends on what you're angry about. I think in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, uh, be angry, in, or Ephesians chapter 4, be angry, but don't sin, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. There were times when our Lord has expressed anger, but it was righteous anger. When you see uh, wickedness, when you see evil in the world, there is something in you that is supposed to be angry at what's wrong or what's sinful. So that's the right inclination. It doesn't mean that you act in a sinful way in response, but, you know, when I see, you know, terrible things happening, when I see b- children killed, when I see women who are being abused, men who are enslaved to sin, that makes me angry in my heart because though I'm angry about the things that God is angry about, but I'm not, I'm never allowed to sin, and I'm not allowed to have anger that is leading me or other people into sin. So, I, I think that to have love and anger, I think we have to qualify that a little bit. Um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and yet God is angry at the wicked all day long. God is not sinful in his anger, but we have to be righteous. But um, it depends on what kind of anger we're talking about. But to say I'm an angry person, I'm always flipping out and yelling at people and screaming at people, that's wrong. I think that's completely out of out of character of a godly man. But um, it's right to be angry over things that are evil. Is uh, is so? You believe that anger is of God and not of the devil? Well, again, I think if we're talking about sinful anger, I mean, again, we're talking about. Let me go over to in my Bible here to Ephesians. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 26, this is the scriptures, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. And then he actually commends, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. A couple of verses later, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, referring to sinful anger, clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then he says, but be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So, again, righteous anger over sinful, wicked things, I believe that's of God, because he is angry 
over wickedness. So you think God but, was an emotional God like in, like the devil is? No, and no. God is. What I want to know is, before you were born again of God, you had anger. Secular people have anger because they don't believe in God. They have anger. And if you're sure. born of God and you still have anger, how can you serve good and evil? How can you serve two gods? Because God did not have emotional anger. He saw injustice and he That's right. he did what he needed to do to it, but he didn't have he didn't feel anger at all. He was not he's not an emotional God. How can you I, I serve agree with you. two gods? Yeah, so I agree with you that God is not held captive to parts or passions. He doesn't fly off the handle. He he's one hundred percent in control. But God is not like us. You know, he doesn't he's not like us in that way. Um but again, I'm talking about um I think what we're you're referring to anger as a sinful thing. And so yes, to have sinful anger to just be an angry, vicious bitter person or a vengeful person or a person who's fighting all the time that's that's wrong it's always wrong and when you come when you're born again under Christ those are the kinds of sins that sins that you must repent of to confess um but again i think you have to think about which which thing we're talking about um is it wrong to be angry over children being murdered in the womb is that wrong to be angry over that kind of sin I'm asking the question. Oh, you asking me that? Uh, yeah. Yes, it's wrong to be angry about that. It's wrong to be angry over abortion. Right, because uh, if a woman decides that she wants to kill the man baby in her womb, that's on her. That's her world. That's something she's doing. And though I don't agree with abortion at all, right? Except if a, if a woman's going to lose her life, she should have a chance to keep living. But if a woman going to kill the man, baby, in the womb, that's on her. It has nothing to do with me. She will have to pay the price for that. And so I don't get angry about what someone else does because that's their world. And, and my world is me, right? And no one can be angry at what I do. I will be angry at what someone else decides they want to do because they're of their father, the devil. Yeah, I'm not talking about passing judgment on that person individually. That's up to God to do that. But I'm talking about there is there is evil and wickedness in the world, and it causes, it grieves us, and it should make us, again, with a righteous anger. Um, but again, I, I think we might be going down the wrong path here, because I think what you're talking about is those people who are caught up in their own sins before they come to Jesus Christ, and a person who has a, a problem with anger or a problem with rage, those are things that have to be repented of and confessed. Am I right to assume that's what we're talking about, is those people who are swallowed up in, in rage and anger in a way that is out of control and needs to be confessed when they come to Christ? Is that what we're talking about? I don't understand that question. But I don't me, know if I understand where we're going either, my friend. Let me ask this. Um, <laughs> you know... In the Bible, it says that anyone who has anger is a murderer and that you should not trust an angry person. If God wanted us to be angry, one who are born again of him, why would he say that anyone who has anger is a murderer? Are you talking about in Matthew chapter seven, or chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, why, would, yeah, why would he say that anyone who has anger is a murderer if anger is a righteous thing? 
Well, first of all, he doesn't say anyone who has uh, anger. He says uh, anyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Anyone who says raka or empty-headed. So he's talking about insulting or putting down another person. He's talking about slander and, and hurtful things. He's talking about interpersonal things here. He's not saying, right. he's not talking about righteous anger. He's talking about attacking other people in your heart. So like if I, if I were, if it's you and me and we have a, you know, any kind of relationship and in my heart, I, I'm calling you names and tearing you down in anger and in bitterness, then that's in terms of what Jesus says in verse 22, it's the same as murder in God's eyes. I am tearing you down and I am basically spiritually murdering you in my heart because I'm manifesting anger and wrath and bitterness toward you. So Jesus, he is dismantling this idea that, well, if I don't go and actually kill someone, that I'm not in sin, that I'm okay. He says, even the thoughts and intentions of your heart, he makes the exact same argument a couple of verses later with adultery. Even if you don't just, you know, you know, tomcat around and sleep around with other women, he says, even if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So, um, you know, this is, I think he's talking about bitterness and, and anger in your heart against another person. That's, that's different than what I was talking about before. That's why I think we're getting our lines crossed a little bit. But it is wrong for me to have bitterness and sinful anger against any other person in my heart. And, and the Bible says that God will judge that if it's what? not confessed and repented of. Amazing. Was women created to lead or follow? Um, are we going to get to the kindness of God today? <laughs> to what? Uh, I, I, was, uh, I didn't think we were going to be doing Bible trivia here. but uh, No, you, I, I, let, I see your education background. You, you seem to know a lot. And so I'm trying to understand. Were, were, were women created to lead or follow? Uh, well, we're talking about uh, man is created in the image of God. It says male and female, he created uh, him, and, and male and female created them. So men and women are created in the image of God. They have equality in the eyes of God in terms of their, in their value to God. Women and men are no better or worse than one another in terms of their value to God. In terms of their role and responsibilities, God designs men and women to be different. You know, we're not going to be the same. And we understand that even within the marriage covenant, God appoints Adam uh, to lead and to shepherd and care for his wife, uh, to, to, um, to love her, to, to give himself up for her. And then inside of that marriage relationship, uh, his wife is called to be submissive to her husband in godliness. It's a willful submission to his leadership. Um, Bible talks over over again about, in the context of the local church, women not having authority over men. Again, it's not because God doesn't find value uh, in them. He I'll, regards them highly. But in terms of... I'm black and slow. Um, I, I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just want to know where women created to lead or follow. Uh, generally speaking, they were God created them. The design for women uh, was to uh, to follow their husbands. Uh, but I think I'm having a hard time qualifying because that question is very narrow. Uh, were women created to lead and follow? I mean, there's a lot of different applications of that. 
But are you talking about in relationship to their husbands, to men? No, I'm just saying, I'm just asking, were women created to lead or follow? The role of leadership is for men. And why do churches allow women to become so-called preachers and pastors and reverends and all that mess? Why do the men allow the women to do that, knowing that it's not in their nature to lead? Yeah. Uh, frankly, to answer your question, I have no idea why churches do that. Uh, I mean, all I can say is that it would be a disobedience of Scripture. So, yeah. uh you know, I mean, First uh, Timothy chapter 3, I mean, it's pretty clear, Titus chapter 1, that God calls qualified men to lead the church. Again, it's not—the reason I'm making all these qualifications and sort of comments is because I think that some folks go the other way to the point where they devalue and degrade women, and I think that is also wrong. But to say that God has a design, and it's a good design— to have women and men function together to complement one another. And when a, when a man, especially in the context of family and in the church, when a man leads well, his, his wife and his children and the women in the church, they flourish. They do better. Let me take a quick break. 888-7753-773. Quick break. Back in a moment. We have a counseling service, and I have to admit, thanks to God, it is the best counseling service on this side of heaven. I counsel with men and women, families, individuals around the world. Most people are unhappy. They're miserable. They have rough lives. They're depressed, suicidal, young and old, of all races. I understand. I know why, and I do understand it. Because exactly what's happening in me is happening with everybody outside of me, inside of them. And I've noticed that with those who really, really, really want to understand, they overcome it just like that. Out of one counseling session. If you need counseling, you can go to rebuildingtheman.com or call 800-411-2663. 800-411-BOND. Best counseling service on this side of heaven. I have with me Nate Pickowitz, and he's a writer and pastor at Harvest Bible Church in New Hampshire. Um, He has a book called The Kindness of God, and I really I want to get to that here in a minute. Nate, talk about your book. Uh, uh, 
So I just have one or two other questions I want to, because, you know, I have a lot of Christians who listen to the show. Sure. That's good. Um, are you married? I am. Does your wife obey you? <laughs> uh, I think I know what you're asking me. And yes, my wife is submissive to my leadership uh, because she loves the Lord and she loves me. Yes. So she, does she obey you? Can you qualify that? What do you mean by obey? I know what the scriptures say, but what do, what do you mean by that? Obey. <laughs> obey. Um, I, would, I would say yes. I would say that she is submissive and uh, she is obedient in, in a godly sense. How do but you obedient... No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, finish your point. I was going to say that obedience uh, does not mean that she serves my every whim. It doesn't mean that I'm ever that I'm never wrong in my leadership. We have a very good relationship, but she strives to be a godly wife uh, who loves her husband and is submissive in godly ways. The Bible says to submit to your husbands out of reverence for Christ and serve him in the Lord. So in all the ways uh, that that uh, that I am obeying the Lord in my ministry, yes, she is obedient to my leadership. There are a lot of guys who are listening today, they're married and their wife won't obey them. How do you deal for them? How do you deal with the hell in your wife when it comes out? You know how she's just mad about nothing and, and, and bitching about nothing. How do you deal with the hell in her when it comes out? Um, well, I mean, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5 that wives are to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands and everything. So that's God's mandate for Christian wives, for wives to husbands. However, our responsibility, according to verse 25, is to love our wives and to uh, cleanse them, to sanctify them, to cherish them, to lead them well. And I think that uh, for a Christian man to lead his wife, if a wife is, is, uh, is ungodly, if she is just a, 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 a mean person, if she is uh, fighting with him, I think the first thing he has to do is make sure that he is of godly character. Uh, is, is he doing his job? Is he provoking his wife to anger? Uh, you would advertise a counseling service in your break, and I think that for men who are struggling in this area, it might be good to go to biblical counseling and talk some of this stuff through. But I think step one is figure out, okay, are you are you doing your job as a man? Are you leading your wife? Are you respectable? Because sometimes women get like this because their husbands are leading them astray. Uh, there's always a cause for this stuff, but uh, if she is just disobedient to the Lord, disobedient and doesn't respect him, doesn't honor him. Uh, I think you have to be a man of character. And I think to, to be able to live with your wife in an understanding way, first Peter chapter three, uh, so, I think you have to talk to your wife and so, find out what's going on. Since I'm black and slow, can you give me an example? What, what do you do when, when the hell is coming out of your wife? You do what? Uh, well, by God's grace, that doesn't. My wife doesn't do that. She doesn't rage against me, uh, and and maybe I'm extra blessed. I don't know. So your wife, wife never get angry. Uh, not in a way that we can't work it out. Does she I mean, ever she get angry? 
She never becomes unhinged. No, she doesn't. Does, does uh, she we have a good angry? marriage. Once in a great while, sure. I think every single person does. Does she ever get angry? Yes. Okay. And when that anger comes out of her, which is hell, how do you deal with that? Uh, I talk to her. I find out what's going on. I mean, if, if she's just had a bad day and she needs to talk about it, we sit down and we'll talk. And now, you know, it's my job to minister to my wife and, uh, and, uh, and love her through it. And if, if she's in sin and she has to confess that to the Lord, find forgiveness, and then we move on. But uh, um, I, I want to be very careful here because uh, I, this is about as much as I want to talk about my wife on the air. Uh, I guard been. my marriage pretty, pretty, pretty carefully. And uh, my wife is a godly, upright woman who I hold in great respect. And Should I think this is about as far as I want to go talking about my wife on national radio. I've often said that men, that women, it, women who are educated, educated women don't make for good wives and mothers. And I advise them not to marry an educated woman because she will not be a good wife and mother because she thinks she's equal to a man. Would you recommend a, mar- a man marry an educated woman? I'm not going to answer that question. I don't think that question is relevant. Because um, I, I, I feel like we're going down a path, my friend, that I just I don't know where. Maybe in the context that you're dealing with, people that call into your show, maybe there's wisdom in, in different situations. But to answer a question like that, blanket, that somehow education is, is good or bad, right or wrong, the first thing that we talked about was my education which I can assure you is a pretty minor thing in comparison to the rest of my ministry. Uh, my education doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. And just because a, a man or woman has education, I think, uh, I think it's important for people to, to have knowledge and to be wise. God commends wisdom. I think marrying anybody who doesn't have wisdom is, is folly. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I'm very tentative to to weigh in on something that I'm not sure I understand the context of. What is um, so? What is love? Uh, I believe that the Bible speaks of love as a, as a, a giving of self, a self giving. Uh, it's not an emotion, even though it produces emotions. Uh, love is an obedience to consider other people to be more important than yourself. The Bible says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so he loved and therefore he gave. So we love others by, by obedience, by, by giving of ourselves to them. Um, and that does produce feelings of attachment. It, it produces wonderful feelings. Uh, but love is, is giving to other people selflessly. Um, do you love white people? Do I love white people? Yes. I love, I love all people. Do you love white people? I do. And the reason I ask, because, as you know, white people are under attack today in America, and the people of color try to wipe them out. And I've noticed that a lot of white people have fear, and they are afraid mm-hmm. to say that they love white people. They'll say they love the blacks, or somebody, right. but they won't admit they love white people. What do, you think, um, what do you think about whites being under attack in their own country? Well, I mean, I'm in New Hampshire, and so uh, I don't really feel 
under attack in New Hampshire. It's a very different demographic. But I think uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why people feel that way right now. Um, and I, I don't know if I can speak intelligently about why all those reasons exist, but my call as a Christian man is to love other people, doesn't matter what they look like, but my also my call is not to fear any man. Yeah. Uh, God commands me to love and not to fear. I fear God above any other man. So if people are going to hate me um, because of the way that I look, that's up to them. That's their prerogative. That's between them and the judge. Uh, but in terms of am I afraid that people hate me because of the color of my skin, I'm not really worried about it. Um, I am who I am by the grace of God. And uh, I think that this kind of thing exists for sinful reasons, you know. And uh, But I, I love anybody of any color skin. Makes no difference to me, including white people, to, to answer your question. Yeah. You better be glad you live in New Hampshire because according to government.gov, New Hampshire is the third, third whitest state in the country. Don't move out. <laughs> Don't move out, buddy. It's a different story out here in this world. Oh. I I know. Yeah, I've been <laughs> to California. I I know what it's like in California. Yeah. And, uh, I'm you know I was born and raised here. I'm thankful to be here. I love our country. I love the people who are here. And uh, you know it's it's unfortunate that things are happening the way they are. Yeah, but it God's is. in God's in control. Tell me about. Tell us about your book, The Kindness of God. What is that all about? I want to hear about that. Yeah. So uh, certainly, you know, I've just you know, published a book, it comes out next week about the kindness of God, but more than just the book itself, you know, I've been fascinated by this idea of God's kindness, and God's kindness is His goodness, it's His good character that gets displayed to other people, to to people outside of Himself. So there's lots of different ways that God expresses His kindness, and I think the reason why that's so important, Jesse, is because like you just talked about, we're living in a cultural moment where uh, people don't believe that God is kind or good. Yeah. And furthermore, they're not acting in such a way, especially Christians. They're not acting in such a way so as to be kind to other people. Scripture tells us to be tender-hearted, to be kind toward one another. And so, you know, even when we disagree, so e- even in this interview, we've had some disagreement already just in terms of other questions and answers. But disagreement, I think, is healthy. I think it's fair. But what happens is that we get to a point where we weaponize disagreement. We, we use it as a reason to hate other people um, and, and not to be kind to them. And I think that the Bible bears out that because God is kind, we ought to also be kind because he has been so good to us. So that's that's the big reason why I wanted to write this to try to help people to understand who God is better and then understand how they are to live out their lives in response to God's goodness, to make sure that they are demonstrating biblical kindness to other people. So that's that's the thing I'm most passionate about right now is helping folks understand that. That's really important to me. I've noticed that, as you said, even the Christians are not kind to one another, not to even mention them being kind to the secular world, non-Christian world, but they're right. not even kind to one another, but yet they claim to be of God. 
what kind, how do you, how, why is, why do they think they're of God when they're not even kind to one another? Yeah. So I think, you know, we understand that everybody is born with a, with a sinful nature. And when you become a Christian, you're, you know, the Bible says that God in his kindness saves us. He yeah. redeems us by his own grace and kindness. But we still have to confess. And I think when, when Christians, um, act in such a way that is, not in line with godliness, they are commanded to repent and to obey the Lord. And so, um, being kind toward one another, to love one another, I mean, that's what Jesus says in John chapter 13. He says that you are to love one another. Yeah. And when you do that, you're demonstrating that you're my disciples. So, to love each other, to be kind, to be tender, to be gracious, to be forgiving— all of those uh, attributes, those are so important because without that, we don't show any evidence that we belong to him. So, again, that's another reason why I think it's so important. You can, you can disagree with people. You can, you can be passionate in your yeah. disagreement. Yeah. Um, but, but we are, God commands believers, we, he commands the church to make sure that we love other people and to be kind, especially when they hurt you. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that Christians just have to examine themselves. And if they are of Christ, if they truly are of Christ, they must obey the Lord and, and live and act in the ways that he commands them to. Amazing. One last question about that. When, when they examine themselves, what does that mean exactly? What should they be looking for? Yeah, I think they should be praying. I mean, Psalm 139, David says, Oh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139, the last two verses. So you're examining, is number one, is there sin in me? Have I committed sins that have to be confessed? And then you're also asking for the Lord to examine you and reveal truth, to bring light. You know, we study his word I'm a Bible teacher. That's my job is to teach people the Bible. So, um, you know, we read the scriptures, and the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active. It cuts us like a sword. It goes right to the core of who we are. So we want God to show us truth. We want to live by truth, not by lies. We want, we want, to show, we want Him to show us truth. And then if we have sins or things that we're doing outside of His will, we have to confess that and, uh, and be forgiven for that and then continue to walk in righteousness. So um, we have to take a good long look at, at what we're doing, who we are and what we're doing. And if we're wrong, we have to make it right with God. Yeah. You know, uh, We just showed a picture of your book, the cover of your book. How can people get your book, The Kindness of God? Yeah, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can go right to moodypublishers.com. It's a little cheaper there. Uh, but anywhere that books are sold, Christian books are sold, you can find it uh, pretty easily. And uh, just really grateful for the chance to, to write it. Uh, that itself is a kindness that God allows me to write anything down, and I'm very grateful for it. So with whatever God gives me to use to that end, I just want to do it to glorify Him. So if even one person comes to know God better, I'm thankful. So yeah, I'm grateful for any anybody who's interested in that. It's very helpful. Amazing. Is the Bible the Word of God or the Word from God? And is it true that the Word of God is written in our hearts? Yeah, it's a good question. So the Bible is the Word of God. It's called the Word of God in the Scriptures. But we know that as the Word of God, 
it is word the word from God to us. It is the revelation of God's word to us. But the Bible also says in the New Covenant, in, in uh, Jeremiah 31 and Exodus 34, that when a person receives the Holy Spirit, so when they become a new creation and they're born again, which only happens by the Spirit, that he writes his law within our hearts. He takes his truth and he applies it to us and we begin to build conscience. Um, I don't believe that God uh, gives me new revelation that's, that's uh, the same as the Scriptures, but he applies his word to my heart. And he gives me wisdom and understanding to, to see and know his word. But God has given us his word as his revelation, as his word to us. And that is uh, the word of Christ that we must be following. Where is the kingdom of heaven? Oh, that's a huge question, brother. That's a very huge question. <laughs> uh, so uh, the kingdom the kingdom of heaven are also called the kingdom of God, Um on some level, that is everything that God has created. Everything belongs to him. It's his kingdom. However, when he redeems people, when he saves a person out of darkness and into light, uh, we say that he is saving them and bringing them into his kingdom in a, in a saving way, in a relationship way. Um, and then there's also an aspect of there's coming a day uh, when God uh, will wipe out all wickedness, all evil, and he will remake, the Bible says, a new heavens and a new earth, and he will establish, really, even on earth, his kingdom. And so there is a, I believe there's a future kingdom that's coming, but it, there's different different ways to understand the kingdom in different, in different lights in Scripture. But uh, I usually will tell our people that God's kingdom is the rule and realm of salvation. That uh, if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you have to know God. You have to come to know him through Jesus Christ. Is the kingdom of heaven inside of us? I know it's above us, but is it inside of us? Yeah, for those who belong to Christ, yes, the kingdom of heaven begins to take rule and reign in our own hearts. Um, I don't possess his kingdom in terms of ownership. I don't own his kingdom. Um, But he puts something of himself. I mean, he indwells believers with the Holy Spirit, and uh, and we become part of that kingdom. Uh, I'm a servant of the Most High God, so I, I belong to that kingdom even now. Anybody who's in Christ belongs to that kingdom right now. Amazing. So, Nate, Nate tell the people again how to get your book, and, and spell out your last name, because sure. a lot of people can't spell. <laughs> yeah, my name was not a fun name to have in kindergarten, right. I'll tell you, but my name is Nate, N-A-T-E, and then uh, Pickowitz, P-I-C-K-O-W-I-C-Z. I tell people you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your wits, so that's how you pronounce my last name, Pickowitz. Nice. And you can find, uh, I've got several books in print, you can find all those books on Amazon, you can find it on uh, anywhere on the internet, it's available, Walmart, Target, all those places, so... Uh, they're out there. You can get a hold of them. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, man. That was amazing. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. You as well. All right. God bless. Thanks. 888-775-3773. Make sure you check out Nate's book. I think you'll like it. It's amazing. Let me go to... uh, First-time caller, Tony out of Pennsylvania. 
Let's see here. Tony, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Tony. Uh, I'm going to put Tony on hold. Don't hang up, Tony. We'll find out what's going on. Chris is a first-time call out of Massachusetts. Chris, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Thank you, Jesse. Um, I appreciate you taking my call. How yes, are you sir. This All is well. Well, great. Um, I enjoyed your last listener or your last uh, interviewer. Thank you. Thank um, you. I had a couple of theories I wanted to to put out, maybe uh, maybe helpful in, in to help folks understand um, when the, we we meet these hateful people who have these uh, these ideologies, these ideas that you know white people are are uh, the problems in our in our world and blaming each other and not themselves. Um, I've I've been trying to understand how you can come to these conclusions and how you can have that kind of anger in your heart. Um, And it it strikes me as it's very similar to the way that uh, you have an abusive relationship with someone where you trust them and they tell you lies and they they put anger in you. Um, And then you go forth and you visit that anger on other people. Um, Tony, I mean, Chris, hold on for me. Let me take a, do not hang up. Let me take a, a quick break here. Another hour to go. This hour is gone. Another hour to go. 888-775-3773. I feel like I'm losing my voice. Amazing. Hake is coming in with the hate news. Not the fake news, but the hate news. And I'll be back in a moment. Steve, thank you for calling and thanks for holding. How have you been helped by the show? I'm going to tell you this. I believe you might go down in history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, black man that ever lived on planet Earth, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anybody before you that's been that great. You know, freeing the slaves is one thing, but you've been freeing people of their mind, which matters. It should be, anyhow, to you more than anything else, because with the mind not being right, there ain't nothing else going to happen right anyway. If you can doubt every thought... Because you're not your thoughts. If you can doubt every thought, knowing that you're not your thoughts, you don't create them, they're not from God, that they're from the deceiver, the great deceiver, Satan. If you can doubt every thought, you can be free, just like that. At an instant. Bring every thought into captivity. It's so amazing. A whole lot of mess going on in the world. This is the end of hour two of the Jesse Lee Peterson Show. It is Bible Thumper Thursday, February 1st, A.D. 2024. Men's Forum is tonight, guys. That's the first Thursday of the month, 7 p.m. at Bond and Laws Angeles. So you can uh, join us in person only at the Men's Forum's uh, rebuildingtheman.com slash events if you need more info. Or if you need to call the office, our office is open 9 to 4 a.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. You can call, or you can call off hours, leave a message, and that is 888 no, no, 1-800-411-BOND. 1-800-411-2663 is the toll-free number. 
February is Black History Month. Oh, Lord. Common Nonsense Network, CNN, wants to make sure that you know that this month marks a federally recognized, told you the feds were evil, nationwide celebration that calls on all Americans to reflect on the significant roles that they call them African-Americans have played in shaping U.S. history, mostly for the worst. Read more about the man behind the holiday, Carter G. Woodson, I think. What a mess. I'm shaking my head. European Union, speaking of evil, European Union agrees to a deal on $50 billion in funding for Ukraine. Commie Nonsense Network CNN says the European Union has agreed on a funding deal worth more than $50 billion for Ukraine, according to EU Council President Charles Mike Mikkel, announcing in a post on X today. Failure to reach an agreement would have been a major blow to Ukraine at a time when its outmanned and outgunned forces are struggling on the battlefield amid a renewed Russian assault. And military aid from the United States has dried up. Based. Uh, the moon is shrinking. Wow, explain that, flat earthers. A region for the of the moon at the center of a new international space race is prone to moonquakes. Kind of like earthquakes, but on the moon. Potentially posing a threat to future human settlers. Settlers or settlers. So says a new study. And so it's shrinking? I don't understand. And you know what else is happening? Premies. Premies are more common. The far-left female-run outlet, The Skim, reports the rate of preterm births, they're calling it, preterm births, in the United States is rising. Yesterday, the scared, unchristian, woman-led CDC released new data showing uh, the percentage of babies delivered preterm before 37 weeks jumped to nearly 8.7% in 2022. The 12% increase from 2014 represents hundreds of thousands of babies every year and poses a threat. Preterm birth is a leading cause of death and health conditions for infants and children. The study also found that black mothers black, were also twice, almost twice as likely to, as white mothers to go give birth early. Why is this happening? It's not always clear, but the experts say that giving birth later in life can raise your risks. Huh. Comes as about one in five women in the United States are having their first child at eight, after age 35. What a shame. This is a bad trend. One expert also reportedly pointed to obesity as a potential factor in raising rising rates. Wow. Shout out to that expert. Obesity means fat. Uh, obesity doesn't mean oh doesn't cause early births, but complications associated like preeclampsia can. Stress can also play a role. These stressed women. Don't worry your pretty little heads. Do not worry. Jesus said not to worry. Uh, it's possible other environmental factors can, too. Experts suggest pregnant people, the far-left females at the skin, make me want to spit. Two. Uh, pregnant women and girls sometimes, because they're underage sometimes, should see their doctor sooner if they're experiencing headaches, changes in uh, urination, ugh, and increased blood pressure. U.S. already has the worst maternal mortality rate, meaning mothers who die, uh, pregnant mothers who die, of any developed nation. Wonder if that's due to obesity, etc., too. Now, this latest report points to another challenge some new mothers face, as more than 2 million live in countries without access, counties without access to maternal care. I'm James Hake.
Now back to JLP, Hour 3.